1: You're listening to the Room 104
0: podcast with Cormac Moore and Saoirse Long. FM 104.
1: It's Room 104. You're listening to Cormac and Saoirse here this evening. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcasts, and listen back to the full shows and the interviews. Now, uh, why do we orgasm? It seems maybe like a, a little bit of a stupid question. And are there people out there that study orgasms from a specific point of view? Um For science, yes, there is. We're going to chat to someone now who has spent um several years and a huge amount of research investigating male and female orgasms um, and some of the reasons why we might have them, some of the functions that they have, how they impact your brain, and also what might happen when uh, orgasms kind of go wrong. So joining us now from the Sorry, from the the Rutgers Newark facility. Uh, He's been a professor there for years, a distinguished professor, may I add, working now in the psychology department. Uh, Professor Barry Komisarik, how are you?
0: I'm okay. Thank you very much for uh, contacting me.
1: Yeah, thank you very much because this uh, this whole science of this area I think is fascinating and maybe not really ever talked about. You know, you'd maybe giggle or snigger at the idea of ah, he said orgasm and, he, and you know we're not really allowed to mention that. But uh, for how long have you been studying like the biological mechanisms behind orgasms?
0: Well, studied sexual response and orgasm is a special case of the sexual response, but I've I've been studying sexual response for um um, over 50 years, in one way or over another. 50 years. And now, I, I, just I started out that when I was very young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just assume that so, everyone can orgasm. No, not everybody can orgasm. Uh, there are actually, uh, that's a very interesting question that you raise because uh, uh, there uh, it's called anorgasmia, people who can't orgasm, and there is very little known about that. There are, just, there are a few situations uh, that can account for why people don't have orgasms, but one of the major ones is that they uh, are on antidepressants, and antidepressants have a, a notorious, uh, powerful inhibitory effect on orgasms, but also other kinds of disease, uh, uh, diabetes and uh, Parkinsonism, uh, brain injury, uh, spinal cord injury. The, there are a number of different um, reasons why people don't have orgasms, but for people who don't have any obvious uh, uh physical uh, medical problems mm. um it's it's not clear uh, there could be psychological problems also uh, uh, abuse but it's it's not well understood why people
1: don't have orgasm that's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I had a friend, th- this is years ago I had a friend who was dating a girl and I remember him telling me saying that she told him she couldn't orgasm ever and she's never had one she never could have one and he was obviously then uh, as a, a stupid man was like oh I'm going to be the first man ever to, <laughs> to be able to make her orgasm but he, he just couldn't and he was just kind of like confused because I'd never heard of that uh, being an well, actual thing. Uh, before uh, and I don't uh, know if she was uh, on antidepressants, uh, but... Uh,
0: Here's an interesting anecdote. True anecdote. I, I uh, you know, I do brain imaging of sexual response and orgasm. And, um, uh, there was a, a woman who interviewed me for uh, a, an article and she told me that she doesn't, she doesn't, she's never had an orgasm. And I said, would you be interested in, in, uh, uh doing a brain scan and see what, what we can find? So she said, sure, we set it up and it took a while for me to get it all arranged because I have to get all kinds of approvals. And, um, we had it all set up the, the night before she called me up and she said she can't participate I said, what happened? She said, well, I had my first orgasm. I have a new <laughs> boyfriend and I had my first orgasm. No. <laughs> so there could be all kinds of factors, psychological and experiential. Uh, you know,
1: we, we really don't understand it well. Can I ask it just for, out of curiosity, they're mentioning? How do you. Like what happens during a brain imaging session when you're trying to study sexual arousal in, in a lab setting? Like, Do you have to show people like adult movies or how does that work when you're able to capture the brain images?
0: No, we, we ask them to just masturbate and uh, um, it just uh, with their eyes closed or open, whatever. We don't give them any specific uh, stimuli and we just uh, ask them to masturbate and they do and, and uh, we have they most almost everybody has orgasms in the in the scanner one of the problems one of the technical problems that I had to uh, overcome is the head movement because it's very, you know it 's hard to tell oh, people man. to lie still uh, because any head movement in the scanner really makes a blurry picture so <laughs> I designed a, um, a a mechanism a, 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 a device to um, restrict the head movement so now it's it 's a it's a thermoplastic mask that we put on, uh, molded to the face and the head, and then we also have a neck brace, and we mold the mask to the neck brace, and then we bolt it down to the uh, table. So they can only move less than two <laughs> millimeters um, during, during at any point, including during their orgasm. But that was, uh, it took a while to, to get that perfected, but we have that now. And you know in terms of okay, the G-spot, you know, women have a G spot, men have a G spot, but is it true that it well, is literally a spot that you have to? just... Okay. Well, this is this is um, the, the the issue about that is it's not a spot. It's it's not it's not a thing. Uh, you know, they're, they're the, uh, the the anterior part of the of the vagina of the vaginal wall that is the the part facing the belly as opposed to facing the back. You know, the anterior surface is standing up and anterior is going forward. So the anterior part of the uh, vaginal wall is where uh, the G-spot has been described to occur. But in that region, uh, the, not only is it the anterior wall of the vagina, which happens to be more sensitive than, other, uh, than the lateral walls, the side walls, or the back wall of the vagina. So the anterior wall itself is more sensitive. In addition to that, the clitoris, um, you know what is typically referred to as the clitoris is really just the tip tip of the clitoris. It's the, the clitoral the actual clitoris is shaped like a wishbone and the legs, the, the legs of the wishbone really they they extend into the body and they actually straddle the vag- the the vaginal canal and the outside of the, the outside of the ca- vaginal canal. So uh, when you pr- and it's, so when you press on the uh, anterior wall of the vagina, you're also pressing on the legs of the clitoris. And those legs um, are erectile. They, they, they contain tissue just like uh, uh, the, the uh, tissue in the penis that, that becomes erectile where the blood flows into it and it, it swells. Uh, so that part of the clitoris actually does swell um, when there's uh, sexual arousal. In addition to that, there are two other structures that produce erotic sensations that are located in the same place. One of those is the urethra, which is the uh, the urinary canal coming from the uh, bladder, and that yeah. uh, that passes the urine. And there are women who say that urethral stimulation can be erotic. You know, they they put uh, bobby pins up the up the urethra. It has you know some erotic sensation. But in addition to that, there is the the prostate gland uh, is not only in men, the women, women also have a prostate gland and the prostate gland surrounds the urethra and stimulation of the prostate gland also produces erotic sensation. Those are all those four structures are right in line, right with the anterior wall. So if you, if, if you press against the anterior wall of the vagina, you're not only pressing against the vagina, but you're pressing against the, the legs of the clitoris and the, the prostate gland itself and the urethra. All of which, each of which has its own nerve supply, different nerves, and each of which has it, it can produce erotic sensation. So it's a it's a perfect storm of erotically sensitive regions. That is the region that's stimulated when you press, you know, the mm-hmm. region of the of the G spot, and diff, you know everybody has different anatomical the length and the width of the of the penis and the, and the vagina uh, they're variable in humans so so depending on the individual variations there's going to be more or less of that uh, concatenation of four different erotic zones parts of the body so some women may experience uh, you know the the pleasure of stimulating all of them together and others may not and I think that so it's not a spot but it's a it's a a region that happens to be just in the anterior wall, because those structures are not on the lateral walls, the side walls, and they're not in the posterior wall. So it's just a it's a, a, a group of erotic, erotically sensitive regions mm. that constitutes the G spot. But it's not a spot; it's a it's a region.
1: Maybe asking it might be a, sound like a stupid question, but why do we have orgasms?
0: Well, you know. Um, They're very pleasurable. And I believe that pleasure has an important role in evolution because if it didn't feel good, animals wouldn't do it. So it's a way of ensuring... I would say that orgasms are intensely pleasurable and they are a way of ensuring that uh, procreation occurs. It's a way... It's it's, uh, evolutionarily uh, obvious that... If, if something is important to occur physiologically like reproduction, then it should feel good and be pleasurable and, do, and so ensure that it gets repeated and performed. And is there a difference I, I mean, that, between men and women? That seems to me the most obvious. What? Excuse me. Is, is there a difference between that, men and men, and women when they have an orgasm? How it affects their, their brain? Actually, we've compared orgasms in men and women and what we find is that the similarities in brain regions that are activated during orgasm are far, far more similar in women and men than are the differences because there's a generalized activation of basically all the systems in the brain. They all, they're all go at orgasm in women and in men. The big difference that we see is right after orgasm, where there's a refractory period in men, and that's much likely, much less likely to occur in women. So, in other words, uh, the refractory period is a time when um, men are, most men are, um, don't have a second orgasm, or don't have, they lose the erection, the penile erection. Um, whereas women can continue having multiple orgasms, but that's not the case with most men. So that seems to be the big difference. That there is a, a right after orgasm. There is a, uh, a, a a growing insensitivity to further stimulation, uh, erotic stimulation in men, and that does not occur in women. But that's the big difference that we see. Otherwise, the uh, all the systems are go, and uh, it feels pleasurable in both men and women.
1: Before I am um, just moving on to something that we we talked about before. We kind of kicked off and, and just went live with this, but you mentioned something to us just off the air about certain disorders that you have stumbled across and made some, yeah. you know, uh, knowledge. And can you describe it? it's disorders of people yeah. feeling aroused this a, constantly?
0: This is a condition called uh, persistent genital arousal disorder uh, that was first characterized in 2001, only only uh, about 20 years ago, <clears throat> and by Sandra Lieber. Um And this is a condition in which uh, there's um, genital arousal, stimulation, genital sensations, intense genital sensations, sometimes described as itch, sometimes described as actual pain, but it just, it's persistent. And uh, in, in most women who have this condition, it feels... Like they're on the verge of orgasm, if they, and they may have multiple orgasms, um, 50 per day, um, uh, and they, they're uncontrolled. And they, they can't, uh, any, any um, m- minor stimulation uh, sends them into this, um, these waves of, of orgasms. And uh, it becomes extremely distressful. It's it's even more distressful because when they complain to their doctor about it, their doctors, their male doctors, what many of the women have said, their doctors say, I wish my wife had that problem. (laughs) And that that makes them feel worse because it's uninvited. It's unwelcome. It's stressful. I mean, it's like it's like having a, a diet, a pure a diet of, of, of sugar, nothing else but sugar. Uh, mm. Sure, it's nice at the beginning, but it, after a while, it becomes stressful. Uh, and these women uh, are really, really distressed by this. Um, and uh, some of them, we know of, of at least six women in the last uh, four or five years who've actually committed suicide because they get no relief. And it just goes on and on and on, day after day, and uh, month and year after year. Um, so it's extremely distressful. It's like they can't they can't go to work, they can't drive because any kind of vibration uh, tr- sets off these, these, uh, this triggering. And there, are, we we also know of men in this condition uh, who have multiple ejaculations per day, and they can't go to work because uh, they you know they they sit there and they have a, they ejaculate without doing anything. So it, it, it sounds funny, but it's extremely distressful. Um, and th- there has been no known cause for it. Uh, but um, uh, a few years ago, uh, a, a doctor uh, who knew about some of my work on it, because I had done some brain imaging on it. He called me and said that his wife has the condition and she also has something called the Tarlov cyst. And I had never heard of that. Uh, but when I looked it up, uh, it's, it's a, a, like a blister that forms on the genital sensory nerves. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, well, this could, be, this could be causing the irritation. And um, uh, so I, I uh, did a study where I asked uh, women in a support group, this uh, persistent genital arousal support group to send me MRIs of their pelvis and uh, because that was typically what, what you know they do and they said no, there's nothing to see and, it, and I consulted with my uh, radiologist colleague and uh, they had uh, while in, in the uh, general population of people who go into clinics for lower back pain or, or uh, leg pain maybe uh, up to nine percent fewer than 10 percent of, of those people have a tarlow cyst that's related to the back pain or the leg pain. But yeah. when I was getting the, the responses from the women, 66% of the women had who have complained of this condition had a Tarlow cyst, or one or more Tarlow cysts. And now we're doing surgery. I have colleagues who are doing surgery. They they, they take care of the cyst, and, and the symptoms disappear. And then we found another cause of that, which is another way that the nerve can be irritated, the genital sensory nerves can be irritated, and that's by herniated intervertebral discs, discs, you know, with slip uh, slipped disc that can be mm-hmm. pressing on the nerve fibers in the spinal canal. And when, when those are resolved, when those are cut down and, and taken care of surgically, the symptoms disappear. So we have, now we have the first treatment, uh, understanding of what causes this uh, terrible condition, which is, you know, at least, at least 1% of the uh, population are estimated to um uh, to have the condition. so that's uh, at least a million people in the united states and and uh, you know it's probably worldwide because we know of, of case many cases in, in Europe and the uk
1: that is, yeah, I mean, it just uh, sounds
0: so odd for, to think that somebody could orgasm due to like a vibration in a car or you know and yet, yeah like you said it is something that you think, oh God th- how lucky are they until you realize that this is constant.
1: You couldn't, have a, yeah. you couldn't have a meeting, you couldn't meet family or friends, you couldn't do anything. You, you couldn't go on a bus into that's work right. because uh, as, that, said, as, as funny as it wrong. would sound, you'd laugh after a day and then after a year of this, you'd be kind of like, okay, I'm done now. But um, obviously, um, good to hear that there, you've made progress on that and, and I, been able to treat and help.
0: And, you know, we, we find that uh, in some cases, it's actually children, um, ages for, starting from three years of age, um, because we, you know, some women who we've, uh, who, who we've, uh, treated, uh, said that, uh, they, they remember that when they were kids, uh, they had genital sensation, that they were rubbing their genitals all the time and they were, they were very embarrassed. And now, and they say now they have daughters who are the same, and they're doing the same thing, uh, when, uh, when they were the same age. So we have, we've seen, uh, children of three years, um, seven years old uh, it can some it, there's, there's uh, uh, one idea is that there's a genetic predisposition of a weakened uh, connective tissue which is genetic that predisposes people to develop these blisters um, and uh, also uh, very often there's some traumatic injury like a, a, a car accident or a fall um, or um, uh, chi- actually even childbirth that mm. uh, produces um, extreme physical uh, pressures and stress on the pelvic region, and that can um, uh, stretch the uh, stretch and distort the connective tissue, and then it weakens it, and then it, it, the blister forms because the blisters are filled with um, cerebrospinal fluid, which is under a lot of pressure, and so it, it forms a blister, and then there are the uh, aberrant nerve fibers that are in the uh, in the cysts um, that that get irritated so that's um that's what we understand about mm. uh, most cases now of this uh, of this very uh, troublesome condition
1: uh, as you mentioned yeah obviously um good to hear that you move in the right direction with treatments uh, for that and unfortunately we're going to have to leave it there but um, Professor Barry Commissar, I know you've published two books as well, if you're listening you want to find a little bit more information about that, there is the Science of Orgasm from 2006 and also the Orgasm Answer Guide if you're listening and would like a little bit more uh, knowledge and information from that but um, uh, Professor, is there anywhere online you'd recommend people can find your work or follow you online?
0: Um, Well, just uh, you can look me up at Rutgers University or or just... uh uh, you can use my name and orgasm on YouTube, and there are videos of, uh, of the brain activity during orgasm, and um, uh, so that, that would be another way of, uh, but if you, I'm connected to Rutgers University. You, I have a website there, um, and um, YouTube, yeah. um, and Google, and you can get information about my work from those sources.
1: Okay. Perfect, perfect, perfect. perfect. Well, listen, uh, Professor Barry Commissarick, thank you so much for giving up your time this evening and we will chat to you again soon.
0: Okay, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your interest